Last week we began looking at identity and what our asking the question of what our identity is in or who it's in or what defines our identity. When Jesus was asked a very important question, I would say one of the best questions because it gave the one of the best answers that we need to think about. When he was asked, what was the greatest commandment? By a teacher of the law, nonetheless, someone who knew all of the law, asked him what the greatest commandment was. And Jesus replied to him, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. All of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Three pretty powerful things. So why did Jesus say that the greatest commandment was to love God with all of your heart? Because remember in his great sermon on the mount, he made the statement when he said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, the things that we treasure is where our heart will be found. Not just be found, but what will be in our heart? What will be found to be in us? So as I began thinking about identity, I started to ask myself this question. What all is revealed when what is in a person comes out. What all is revealed in a person when what's inside comes out? You see, because one of the things that I've become accustomed to is my wife is really good at calling me out. And I don't like it. So if you can stop her, I would greatly appreciate it. No, actually don't because it makes me a stronger person. And you know, one of the things that drives Jennifer the most crazy about me is she can tell me something a million times. Husbands, you might be able to relate to this. Um, she can tell me something a million times, but we'll, we'll, we'll go to counseling. And the counselor says the same thing. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off. And, oh, yeah. Like, and she's just like giving me the glare. I'm like, what? She's like, I've said that a million times. Or someone else will say it. Or I'll hear it in a, another sermon that another pastor's preaching. And it's like, oh, that's like, that is great. And Jennifer's like, yep, said that a million times too. She's really good at calling me out. And you see, our life is what's inside. A lot of times we think about our life being defined by what's outside. So what do we do? We, we clean it up. We want it to look as good as possible. Some of us need to try harder than others, myself included in that. But we want ourselves to look as good as possible. So we think we have to clean ourselves up. We, we've got to look our best. 
I grew up in, in the Catholic church, and, and, and my parents, you dressed up. Like, you wore your best. I don't want to wear my best because my best does not feel comfortable. I wanted to be comfortable, not look my best. And so what I grew up with, I had to look a certain way. Once I became a pastor, it took me years before I could wear jeans up front. Like, I just had it in my head that I was somehow unholy if I wore jeans up front, let alone wore jeans to church. But I, I had the image, which I thought was part of my identity. But you see, what we don't understand is when life hits us, what's inside comes out. What's inside us comes out. What is in our heart comes out. And I know some people um, are like freaking out right now because I spilled water. And, and, and so what we do is we don't like people seeing what's coming out. And so we grab our, our good towel that, um, you know, and we try to clean it up ourselves. And what do we do? We end up like rubbing in the dirt of our life. And we think we're cleaning it up, but really we're just making it worse, right? And so we try our hardest to really get down there and clean it up. And look at that, Chuck, you can't even tell it was there. Chuck can see it, though. He knows it's there. Sorry, Chuck. So what all is revealed when life happens when things like chaos when things come against us that are hard to deal with the trials of life that sickness that diagnosis that we dread that that relationship coming to an end that that struggle at home that that bill that you're dreading how you're going to pay for it. When those things happen, what comes out? I think the first thing that comes out and that's revealed is our sinfulness. Our brokenness. You see, one of my struggles whenever Jennifer would call me out on something and she's like, oh, I see what's inside. I see what's in your heart. It's like, but I don't want it to be that. But deep down, that's not who I am. That's not what came out, but it was what was inside. So how do you explain it? Well, you explain part of it by our brokenness. That we are sinful people. That no matter how good we are, no matter how great we think we've got it together, there's going to be sin that comes out. There's going to be brokenness that's revealed to the world. Just as much as we need to remember that for ourselves, we need to remember that for each other. 
Because we need to remember that when that person that we look up to fails us, they're human. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to sin. One of the things that I struggled with for a long time was whenever there was a moral failure with a pastor or pastor sleeping with a secretary or sleeping with people in the church or who knows what. And it's happened multiple times. The, 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 this third time it comes out because the first two times the, the leaders in the church covered it up and buried it so no one else found out about it. And I struggled with that. Literally, just in the last five years, there have been three prominent pastors of large churches that I, that I looked up to their ministry, that they literally threw away because of a moral failure. But what killed me the most was people's reactions. Because for some reason in their mind, the failure of that person negated any truth they ever spoke. Any expression of love that they ever extended was just gone. It no longer mattered. It no longer mattered how many people they brought to Christ. It no longer mattered because of one failure, and it might have been probably more than one. But we see a person, and we see what comes out, and we forget about their sinfulness. We forget about their humanity and we negate all of the, the truth they may have spoken or the love that they have, may have shown and think, well, because of this that is coming out, therefore, they're not Christians. People, Christians, sin every day. We can't forget about our brokenness. We can't forget about their brokenness. The second thing that I think is revealed to us is our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. Guard it. Jesus, speaking in Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37, he says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the Pharisees, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for 
every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. What comes out is a reflection of what's in our heart. So we need to be mindful of the things that come out of our mouth. Think about it. When have you said something, and as soon as it's, it came out, you're like, oh, I should not have said that. That was inappropriate. But why'd you stop there? Why, why didn't you want to go to the place and find out why? It came out. Because there's something in us that thought that it was okay. That thought it needed to be said. Or maybe we cared too much about the laughs that we would get from the people around us. Or we cared too much about impressing the people around us. And so we said things that we shouldn't have said. Our hearts revealed in those moments. I, make, I said this statement, our instinctual hypothesis, because we all kind of form a hypothesis, right? What we think is actually happening. Our instinctual hypothesis versus the battle being waged within a person for their identity when seeing what comes out of a person. Do you ever think about the war that's being waged inside of a person? Because your identity, there are two people fighting for your identity. There's Satan and there's God. And the more you try to turn to God, Satan's going to try even harder. He's going to get you to say things or think things so that he can make you think less of yourself. Because we think that our identity is wrapped up in only what comes out. I'm not sure that it does. The third thing that is revealed to me when what's inside comes out is our need for a Savior. If we see that we are broken and sinful people, and we see that our heart is what comes out, and it's a reflection of what we believe and what we feel, not just about ourselves, but about other people, then we have to come to a conclusion that we need something or someone that is better than us to help us. In Romans 3.23, Paul tells us that every day, every single one of us is a sinner that falls short of God's glory. Every day. Even those who are Christians, who are truly trying to seek to follow Christ, who have accepted God into their life, sin. And it comes out. But does that mean that we're not battling inside, that we, 
that we don't want to be better people? Even Paul himself says, the things I want to do, I do not do, but the things I do, I do not want to do. Paul, like God gave him three-fourths of the New Testament to write for Christians, for, for Christianity. And Paul himself is confessing that he struggles on a daily basis to be a better follower of Christ. So last week we looked at the definition and, and kind of how identity is defined. So identity being a sense of self or a sense of worth. The importance of your identity is not what identity is in and of itself. Rather, the importance of your identity is from where you derive your sense of self and worth. Where do you get your value from? So earlier I made the comment that I felt like I had to make the outside look good. That I had to appear like I had it all together. That, that I began to think that that was my identity, what everyone else saw. But you see, our identity need not be sharpened in order to appeal to our good pedigree. For we were created, we were designed by the purest, holiest, and most perfect creator. We don't need to look good on the outside. Because God only cares what's inside. Our world has come to believe that we must, at whatever cost necessary, achieve a status that within it is intertwined our identity, which screams to the world, hey, look at me. Benjamin Nugent wrote in a New York Times article, he said this, he said, when good writing was my only goal, I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth. For this reason, I wasn't able to read my own writing well. I couldn't tell whether something I had just written was good or bad because I needed it to be good in order to feel sane. I lost the ability to cheerfully interrogate how much I liked what I had written to see what was actually on the page rather than what I wanted to see or what I feared to see. You see, when you make anything your identity, those things stop being good things and they start to crush you. Because you can't look at things realistically. And you sure as heck can't take criticism. Because you don't want reality to be true. 
Any, know anybody who's a narcissist? Anybody know e- any egotistical people? Because they refuse to look at themselves as wrong because they don't want you to see them that way. That is their fear, that you will see what's really inside them because they fear you won't like what you see. And so they turn it on you. Have you ever thought about that before? If you do, it changes your mindset, how you think about people when they come at you, the things that they say. It's because they fear. So if, if my identity, just for an example, if, if my identity is that I'm a great coach, then the minute my greatness is challenged by another coach, I begin to be crushed by my own identity. Because my identity as a great coach was not based solely on my quality of coaching, but rather it was based on my coaching being better than somebody else. Therefore, my identity was not in who I was. My identity was in who I was better than. And so the second you challenge my identity, I fight back. I get defensive. Because I don't want you to see me as less than. But it also gives way to pride which is a sin you see C.S. Lewis in his book Mere Christianity says we're not really proud of having money we are proud of having more money than the other person take out money and fill in the blank We're not proud that we have the best, fanciest car in town. We're proud because we have a better car than everybody else. We're a bigger house than everybody else. We're a bigger bank account than everybody else. Which becomes pride. Any identity that is achieved rather than received has to be excluding. So we take our identity and literally take it to crush somebody else's identity in order for me to feel good about my identity. Does that make sense? Like, like we have to, if, if we're saying that our, my identity is wrapped up in me being the greatest coach, but there's a coach that challenges that, The only way I can then be the greatest coach is for that person to be less than. To exclude them. To say that their value isn't good enough. Therefore, to diminish 
their identity if it's based in what they do. In other words, you feel good because these other people aren't as good as you, accomplished as you, work hard as you, conservative or liberal as you, good-looking or talented as you. It just becomes a big competition. And then all we do is see each other by what we want to see them by. And therefore, we begin to define them by what they aren't rather than who God says they are. So what kind of identity do we need? Here's what we need. You cannot take yourself and bless yourself and name yourself. You need recognition. You need somebody on the outside to come in and speak into you. Who should this be? You need the love and approval and esteem of someone you esteem if you are ever going to have self-esteem. If our heart is revealed, I'll leave you with this. If what is revealed you don't like, if you're being really honest about it, if you don't like the things that come out, if you don't like the things your kids see, your grandkids see coming out of you, 1 John 3.20 says, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts. Stand with me. you would reach out your hands and just receive this blessing. Jesus, I pray that you would open up our hearts today. That you would help us to just relax a little bit in your presence. to be willing to sacrifice a little of our ego, a little of that fear, and help us to be honest with you, God, about where our heart is. It doesn't mean that we're horrible people or that we're not Christians. But God, it means... You have more work to do in us. But we need to be open to letting you do that work. Okay, I, I, God, I just pray that you will help us to reveal what's in our heart and be honest about it. 
so that we can go to work and let you define our identity. Let you define who we are and and what truly comes out of our heart. God, it's not something we can do. It's, It's something that only you can do. God, may we die a little more to ourselves today so that you can become greater and we might become less. And in doing so, live a little more into the person you created us to be. Amen.